Hello and welcome to Imagine Amazing, Oregon HFMA's podcast with its current president. Yes, welcome everybody. We're so pleased to have you join us. We love our listeners and followers and we promise to continue to bring you relevant information in these podcasts. And speaking of important information, in this episode, we're joined by two powerhouse healthcare systems in the state of Oregon, Legacy Health and OHSU, discussing trends and their enterprise initiatives. As this is the President's Podcast, we are joined today by Oregon HFMA's 2020 through 2022 Chapter President, Tammy Kuhn, who will be providing us with important chapter updates and healthcare trends in Oregon. Tammy, thank you for your leadership. We are always so happy to have you join us. Thank you. I'm always happy to be a part of this podcast. And as a reminder to our listeners, this podcast is available on all popular podcast platforms and is now viewable on Oregon HFMA's YouTube channel. To watch the podcast, pop some popcorn, go to YouTube, type in Oregon HFMA Imagine Amazing, click on the desired episode and sit back and enjoy. I'm one of your hosts, Jeff Johnson. And I'm the other host, Kelly Smith. Today's episode of Imagine Amazing is sponsored and made possible by one of Oregon HFMA's diamond sponsors, Centauri Health Solutions. Centauri Health is a healthcare technology and services company driven by its desire to make the healthcare system work better for its clients and to provide compassionate support for individuals in need. Their analytics-powered software enables hospitals and health plans, Medicare, Medicaid, Exchange, and Commercial to manage their variable revenue through a custom-built workflow platform. While Centauri's tailored support of their patients and members provides them with access to life-enhancing benefits. Thank you so much, Centauri Health Solutions, for your support of the chapter and for this podcast. Tammy Kuhn, thank you for being with us again on this new episode of Imagine Amazing. I know that you work hard with all of the remarkable Oregon HFMA volunteers to bring the best information and, and education to all Oregon HFMA members. Thank you, Jeff. I am happy to join you and Kelly. And there is a lot that is happening in healthcare today, almost daily. And I'm grateful to have this platform to be able to talk about those topics. Tammy, you do such a great job being engaged with the chapter. We're so appreciative that you continue to bring us some really, really good information. Uh, We're also very much aware of how much Oregon, Washington, and California tend to mimic each other in state policies. And so we understand that there's a new California healthcare bill that you wanted to discuss today with our listeners that could very well make its way to Oregon policy. Uh, yeah, Kelly. So the there is a new assembly bill, the AB 1020, that was signed into law October of 2021 by the California governor. So for the most part, this bill had the look and feel of the mandate of the uh, char- charity policies that is appropriate levels for all the hospitals. Since most hospitals were already working on that, they kind of maybe ignored the elements built into the healthcare bill that went into effect on January 1st of 2022. Wow. Signed into law in October and less than three months to prepare for all those healthcare systems. Uh, No wonder it caught them off guard, Tammy. I would have been caught off guard. Uh, What are some of the extra elements that you refer to that are built into this bill? Yeah, great question, Jeff. So first, I am not an expert on this bill uh, and I am not providing legal counsel. However, there are some bigger highlights of this bill that I think is notable that we want to mention. So for the hospitals, 
it raises the charity care eligibility to 400% of the federal poverty level. Well, a lot of hospitals are doing that now. Um, it revised the charity care policy prominently displayed on the hospital's website or link and full policy. Again, a lot of hospitals are doing that. Um, it also provided a written notice of the charity care policies uh, within the organization to help the patient understand the payment and billing process uh, and for the patient to be mailed in the, within 72 hours of discharge. Again, a lot of hospitals are doing that. Um, it also adds some conditions and limitations for the sell uh, if you're going to sell your debt to uh, some debt buyers. What it also covered, which is what I think got missed, was um, it requires a hospital to send a notice to a patient before signing the bill to collections, which has to contain the following. The date or dates of service that were being assigned for collections the name of the entity of who you're assigning uh, that debt to, so your, your bad debt vendor, statement informing the patient of how to obtain an itemized hospital bill um, from the hospital, the name and plan type of the health coverage of the patient on record with the hospital at the time of services or the statement that the hospital does not have that information, um, also an application for uh, the charity policy, and the date or the dates the patient was originally sent a notice for applying for financial assistance, the date or dates the patient was sent an application, and the date the decision on the application was made. Also, a hospital nor a debt collector or a, a debt buyer can report to the credit bureaus uh, for up to 120 or 180 days for the initial billing. So Tammy, just a quick question for you. So you're saying that they have to send a charity care application, even though they know that person most likely will not qualify for charity. Yes. Interesting. No wonder they're freaking out, right? Well, and that's that's part of it. So here's the other piece for the uh, your bad debt vendors. So they may not attempt to collect unless that notice requirement from the hospital is sent prior to assigning to collections and is included along with the debt collector's initial written notice to the patient. Wait, they have to duplicate the same statement that was just sent out by the hospital? Yes, yes, they do. Oh, interesting. Um, and they must include a statement of its first written communication to the collector that the report to the credit bureaus or file a lawsuit within 180 days the patient was initially billed for the hospital services so if you're a your debt your debt agency typically can file liens you're going to have to watch that um, there's uh, new requirements that suits on a hospital again have to have copies of the financial assistance paperwork uh, provided by the patient by the hospital must be attached to the complaint. So that's really new. And uh, information from the hospital's required notice before signing to a debt collections must also be included in the debt collector's complaint. There's a lot to this bill that kind of got over missed. Wow, Tammy, I admit it's the first time I'm actually hearing about this and probably because it's California policy, but it definitely sounds like a tremendous amount of administrative work 
for both the providers and the debt collectors and an awful lot of coordination that has to happen to make sure that you are able to be compliant. And we all know that that is very difficult to operationalize. And I'm sure that there's many healthcare systems scrambling to try and make sure that they are able to incorporate the additional amount of work that's going to be required, um, but also can imagine this would incur some expense for revenue cycle. If this hit Oregon, I think it would have a huge impact. So hopefully everybody's watching closely and making sure that we're working with our correct state representatives to get them engaged. So if if listeners want to know more about it, then I think we should be looking for information in our search browsers and searching for California AB 1020. That's great advice, Kelly. And Tammy, thank you for explaining everything. Yeah, so much trending always in healthcare. That's the way I feel, right? And I was speaking with a couple of California hospitals and they were actually saying they were so focused on the no surprise billing, which is also a mandate, that when they saw this, they really just saw the charity part and kind of ignored Mm -hmm. it altogether. And now they are scrambling because they cannot get their accounts to any of their bad debt vendors to be worked because they would be out of compliance and would create a lawsuit against the hospital and against their vendor. So um, like you said, always important to be watching, right, Kelly? Right. And And also just thinking too, for the providers, we have enough to keep ourselves busy with our own regulations. (laughs) And so to also at the same time have to be thinking about what could be coming as we prepare from other states' experiences is important to keep in mind. So I'm glad you brought it up today. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Speaking of those updates, Tammy, you invited some very special guests to join us on this podcast. Would you please take a moment to introduce the guests and share with our listeners the focus of the remainder of this podcast? Yes, so I'm very interested in today's podcast. So HFMA uh, gives organizations an opportunity to purchase enterprise memberships that really allows their employees the benefits of HFMA membership. So some of those perks include networking, um, certifications, and really healthcare news that they might not be able to obtain. So today I wanted to, I have two uh, Oregon HFMA's larger enterprise members, so Legacy Health and OHSU, and I invited these two guests to join us. So it's Amanda Gordon de los Reyes, and she is the Senior Director Revenue Cycle of Legacy Health and currently serving as the Oregon HFMA board member. I heard maybe she's going to have a different role next year, so you might have to stay tuned with us to see what that role is. And Tammy Bickle, for who is the Director of Revenue Cycle of OHSU UMG and currently serving as our co-chair for Oregon HFMA's Membership Committee. Welcome, guys. Yes, welcome, Amanda and Tammy. Will you please take a moment to tell us a little bit about yourselves? Hi, Kelly, and thanks for having me today. Um, So I'm Amanda Gordon, and I'm a Senior Revenue Cycle Director at Legacy Health, and wanted to tell you something interesting about myself. So the first summer of COVID, my family and I bought a boat, and I have taken up wakeboarding. So um, that's been a little bit interesting, but very fun. Very cool. Very brave of you, I say. (laughs) I'm Tammy Bickle. Um, I'm thankful to be here as well. Um, I am the Director of Professional Billing and Coding for Oregon Health and Sciences University in Portland. 
Um, I've been a member of HFMA and I've served in many roles, networking, sponsorship, and most recently membership um, since 2014. So I've been here about eight years and enjoy being part of this membership. Yes. Uh, so nice to have you guys back on our podcast. I know you've joined us before and you guys are fantastic. So thank you for being here today. And to start, uh, we do have a couple of questions for you specifically focused on those enterprise membership roles that are out there and, and the impact on your organization. So the very first question we have is, how are you engaging with other employees of your organization and educating them on their HFMA membership? Um, so at Legacy, we're newer members um, with... <clears throat> providing access to all of our team that would like to sign up and encouraging that. But one of the real values has been some of the online education. Um, and so we're new um, since COVID began and some of our in-person education, we were, we were no longer able to do. And we're really scrambling, trying to um, determine how we would provide additional education that was typically in person that we didn't necessarily have recorded and that type of thing. And so the education that's available online Online has been able to supplement and has actually been really great. And then we transitioned to using it more too um, intermittently for folks that are having trouble with certain aspects of revenue cycle. And um, it's been really great. And the team has actually really liked it. And we, even when we can go back to in-person, I think we're going to have some hybrid. Um, and we can also leverage it, you know, when somebody might be struggling a little bit more. So, so far it's provided a tremendous value for us. And um, especially as we do more and more in person, hoping to have the team back and being able to engage and network with everyone else. Very cool. So at, at, at OHSU, it's actually part of an onboarding process for our new employees. So it's as part of their first week to do's, they are given a, present, uh, a handout that explains how to sign up for their enterprise membership, along with a, a little guide of some of the offerings that they that HBMA has to offer for education. I'll be honest, this is our I think going on fourth year of enterprise membership. And it took me about two years to really understand the wealth of education that um, HFMA really has to offer. And so just kind of providing them some guidance to what, what courses might be best for them. We also encourage them as part of their annual um, uh, uh, performance evaluations that they also take some of those courses as part of their goals. Smart. Yeah, great information. And I can appreciate that for many employees, they have certain requirements for obtaining CEU credits and have not been able to do that. So the remote option is certainly a wonderful way to offer many people option for education and credit. So that is very good, Amanda. Glad that your your staff are able to take advantage of that. So very good. And that'll be ongoing. Um, as both of you, I have another question for you. As both of you think about future topics for HFMA and for the Oregon chapter, are there any topics in particular that you think would be really beneficial for your enterprise membership? Um, so I really like the educational pieces that are already there, you know, learning more about kind of some basics, um, but maybe a little bit more advanced training um, would be helpful. There is already some out there, but I like that. I think one of the things that is 
you know, still a challenge. Um, our revenue cycle um, was not largely remote prior to the pandemic, and we've been successful, but now, you know, our future state is most of us are going to be remote. And I think maybe some um, courses on, you know, how to prioritize your work and things like that that are more um, kind of not so much into the, the nitty gritty of how the rev cycle functions, but how to prioritize your day and how to stay engaged with your colleagues and things like that, um, I think is really cool. And even if there's some type of gamification um, to keep folks engaged, um, what some of those ideas might be for kind of supervisor and managerial level positions. Um, but I really think that the education already is, is very robust and um, I think it's great. I couldn't agree more. I, I think, um, you know, having some of those real life uh, tools or education about tools, Excel, Word, resume writing, um, those are the things that I think are so valuable to, you know, the people who are in the day-to-day -day doing the work functions. I think those are so, so valuable. You know, I do think the Oregon HFMA chapter does a great job bringing in relevant um, education sessions, timely, um, you know, most notably the biggie, uh, the No Surprise Billing Act. Um, we talked about it at our Oregon um, October conference. and. Um, we realized that there are so, so many moving parts that we did kind of create a subgroup um, with other organizations to talk about what each individual organization is doing. And that's been so helpful. But even also our business partners, like our business partners have created webinars and sent them to us just so everybody can understand that giant beast that hit us on one one. So I think each of them is doing a great job with education. Well, that's great feedback. And it's interesting, Amanda, you talk about working from home. I was at another chapter and they were just talking about how hard it's been with people working remotely to hit some of their KPIs and hold the people responsible. I, I know that's not a question that we prepped you for, but just curious it, what your experience has been so far with the remote work and being able to manage to some of those KPIs. Has your organization felt it, has it just been flawless and you're just still hitting all those numbers, maybe even higher? Or have you seen an impact on understanding how to lead your teams while being remote? Just curious. Sure. So, I mean, it's been a little bit of trial and error because all of a sudden it was like pack up and go home. <laughs> and some people just hadn't done that before. Um, but I think that we've leveraged a lot of technology to be able to help us continue to meet KPIs and really worked with individual team members that were struggling and just being open, especially and understanding at first about what some of the challenges would be and then working around those things. We um, are an epic shop and for our um, for professional and hospitals services. And uh, we are currently Cerner for lab, but migrating to Epic. And there's a lot of productivity reports that are available within Epic that we've been able to utilize. And so managers meet with the team members, they know what's expected of them, and then review those, those items. Um, you know, of course, if we see long periods of time where somebody should be logged into work or they're not available and those type of things, we've addressed those performance issues. But I can say that they've been a lot less than I thought we might actually have. And um, 
some people at first were really reluctant to go home. They really craved the interaction um, with others. And we found some really creative ways of keeping people engaged with each other and, you know, hosting happy hours or doing craft projects during the holidays and things like that. So I think keeping everybody engaged has helped, um, you know, us continue to hit our KPIs. I can say that some people are actually much more, um, effective at home and some people are about the same and the folks that have been a little bit less effective we've continued to work with them to bring them up to where they need to be that's awesome it's great to hear that what about ohsu tammy yeah at ohsu we honestly had been remote working for some time we had very few positions that weren't allowed to work from home and so the folks that were in the office are the folks that really wanted to be in the office minus i think we have seven people who have just um, paper laden desks that we couldn't get them home. And so we had 14,000 square feet of seven people in, in an office building. <laughs> Our KPIs haven't been impacted mostly because we've been working remotely. I think, um, you know, we had several people who live alone and their work was their only form of um, interaction with people or, you know, most interaction with people. And I think just being able to make sure that you touch base with them, making sure their mental health was good. Um, it did surprise me though, that when we started opening back up in the summer, we said, okay, anybody who wants to go back into the office can go back into the office. And those people that didn't want to work from home and lived alone were like, no, nope, we're good. We're good from home now. So, so that's, that's been my biggest concern as it relates to remote working. Yeah, that's a great point. And thank you both for answering that question. Yeah, I do have another question, though, that is important. I understand there is an enterprise conference happening for Oregon HFMA members on February 17th, 2022 at the World Forestry Center in Portland, where there's going to be some amazing education. What are you doing to encourage attendance to these special events? Um, hosted by the Oregon HFMA chapter. And part two of that question, would you like to combine certification in the future with those types of enterprise conferences? So at OHSU, um, specifically for the February conference, we, we are encouraging people to attend in person. I think we've had fewer than expected um, really jump at the chance just because of the ever-changing COVID um, temperature, but but we are definitely encouraging them to attend. I think the content that we have with such a um, great speaker, Libby, I think that that's going to really be very relevant to these individuals. And so we're offering up um, up to twenty five percent of each team can go in person, oh. and yeah, and and they can even beyond the in person. The whole team is in, entitled to work or I'm sorry, attend in the virtual world because um, they're not just, they're just not comfortable with attending in person, but they also can multitask at work as well. So um, yeah, I think that we're doing a great job of getting, promoting it anyway, and we're hoping to see um, more attendance or more people signed up for it. And yeah, I think, I think certification is a great thing to add in addition. But there are some new exams and I, I agree with you. Yeah. They're very interesting. And great for a career. I mean, I don't know how many people understand how that really can skyrocket you into the next level of your career just by doing some of these certifications. I think they're 
Well, some exciting news is Oregon in March or April will be holding a CRCR boot camp for anyone to get certified, and it is going to be virtual. So if you want to get that out to your enterprise uh, members, it's a great way to get that certification. Nice, Tammy. Awesome. So Amanda, same questions for you. So yeah, we definitely want people to be able to attend um, however they feel comfortable, kind of the same as Tammy. Um, but we're just wanting to let them know about what the the speaker, Libby, um, who I've been fortunate enough to hear before, so been able to share a little bit of that information. Um, and then just making sure that, you know, we allow for plenty of people to attend. We have not set, you know, a certain percentage or anything like that, but trying to make sure that we offer it to the the folks that want to attend and have flexible um, work weeks that week. So um, that's what we're doing. And I like the idea too, definitely of combining the certification and really like the boot camp um, idea. Um, I did the CRCR on my own and it would have been great if there would have been other folks uh, to, to join me. Um, but I think that I think that's good. And I think that that would also draw a lot more folks to attend some of the meetings in person. Um, when they are planning to um, become certified. So I think, I think it'd be beneficial for sure. That's so good. And Amanda, the, the topic for Libby's presentation, it's a whole one day workshop is thriving in times of change. And I know you mentioned earlier that one of the things that you felt like would be really good for your enterprise members was how to prioritize work. And her very first session, she's breaking it out into four 90 minute sessions to take place over the day. And the first session is managing your time. So I think a, a great tool for employees to come and listen in on that. And I think that whether you are in a state where you're tired and this feels exhausting since we've been in this, this state for so long, or you're trying to remain positive and optimistic that times are changing, I think either way, Libby's going to speak very well to both of those audiences. So we really hope folks take time really to invest in themselves and uh, participate in the conference event. And again, we really do hope folks feel like they can attend however they feel most comfortable. So whether that's virtually or in person, we encourage both. So really appreciate both of you reaching out to your enterprise members and encouraging to, them to come to the conference in February. And the, another thing I'm just kind of curious about is we know that when you think about both of your organizations, you're very diverse from the front end workers to the back end call centers. What group of employees do you feel really would benefit the most from attending an enterprise event? Do you think it's patient access, accounting, rev cycle, everybody? What groups do you think really have the most to gain out of attending? Well, you know, honestly, if we have events such as the February one with Libby, where the content is really relevant, I think um, all all of those groups should attend. I think that they're all um, the content is very valuable and relevant to everyone. So I think um, all of those people should attend. We think so too. <laughs> yes, we do. Yeah. <laughs> Amanda, how about you? 
Um, no, I, I agree. I think that it's relevant for everybody. I think um, I think about all the relationships that I have with everybody that were created through HFMA. I mean, everybody here on the, the webcast, um, as well as, as everyone else from HFMA, and um, we've created friendships, but you know, you always have, you know, somebody you can call if you're struggling with some, you know, with something, for example, the NSA that Tammy was talking about, and we have um, our meeting, our weekly meeting, and it's been fantastic, but everybody wants to help everyone. And I think that that's just great. But I've gained so much knowledge and um, friendships that I just, I can't stress how important I think it is to come. And it's really valuable in person, in person, especially um, some of the, the team building kind of things that we've done networking um, have been, have been really fun, but I encourage anybody who can to attend. And I think you'll get a lot more out of it than you probably thought you would. That's awesome. That's a great answer, Amanda. It really is a great answer from both of you. Thank you so much. And in regards to the Enterprise Conference, Tammy, I do understand that it's not just strictly Enterprise that other members wanting to attend are welcome to attend that event as well. Is that a true or false statement? That is true. So we opened it up to Enterprise first um, because we did want to cater to our Enterprise members, um, but we will open it up to uh all of the members um, after a short period of time. So I believe the probably in another couple of weeks we'll open it up for other members because they are great sessions. And if you haven't listened to Libby, you don't want to miss her. No, that's so good. And um, as Kelly had mentioned before, it sounds like this will be both in person and virtual, or it will be, not doesn't sound like it will be, it will be in person and virtual. So there's plenty of opportunities for our listeners who are listening to reach out and register and get involved. And to both of you, Amanda and Tammy, thank you again for joining us today. Your feedback is so valuable. And, and I was just thinking, you know, how tough it is to really understand what your enterprise membership is. If you just join an organization and they say, hey, here's a membership to something cool. And your explanations help tremendously today to paint a, a better picture of the value that this brings. And so thank you. Appreciate having you here today. Thank you, thank you for being on the podcast. Um, it's always fascinating to hear how the chapter can continue to support you guys and make sure that we're bringing the education that you want your employees to receive. So uh, great to hear all this and we'll work as a chapter level to continue to provide ongoing education for you guys. And really good to see both of you again. Thanks so much for joining. We loved having you. So thank you very much for your input today. And Tammy, would you like to provide any other chapter updates you think our listeners would like to hear today? So yes, Kelly, thanks for asking. So we have a lot going on for our members. We have our winter conference in Portland that we just got done talking about, February 17th. Uh, details and registration is going to be posted on our website. It is a hybrid, so it's in-person or virtual. Um, most of us will be in, in person, so we hope to see you there. Um, so pick your comfort level. Join us either way. And to register, you can go to www.oregonhfma.org. 
And you also want to pay special attention to the chapter's annual conference happening at Salishan at the Oregon coast. And that is going to be May 18th through the 19th of 2022. And you don't want to miss that. I love that. See right there. That is why membership in Oregon HFMA is so powerful. There's always a lot going on. Amazing conference opportunities for anyone who's interested. I'm going to be at that February event in Portland. So it's going to be awesome. I can't wait. I can't wait either. I'm registered for both events too. So very excited to see folks in person at the February conference. I hope that everyone listening to today's podcast can take advantage of the information that we've shared and join us in upcoming conferences. And also really, again, wants to thank everybody for joining us today on this podcast. We extend our warmest wishes to all the Oregon HFMA members and want to give a shout out to our amazing healthcare heroes who continue to work at making our lives healthier and happier. Thank you, everyone. This episode of Imagine Amazing is brought to you today by Centuri Health Solutions. To learn more about Centuri Health, please visit www.centaurihs.com. Thank you, Centuri Health. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, and all other popular podcast platforms, as well as YouTube. Please find us, like us, and follow us for exciting content in 2022. Also, to learn more about Oregon HFMA, please visit us at www.oregonhfma.org.